broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. Hello, Las Vegas. Happy Monday, one and all. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. I did. This coming Sunday is Memorial Day Sunday here at Liberty Baptist Church. We're going to be honoring a Gold Star family and remembering the sacrifices of those who have served our country and given the ultimate sacrifice. It's a very special service. You do not want to miss it. Be at Liberty Baptist Church next Sunday, 9.30 or 11.15 as we honor the Hyde family. And if you want to uh, prepare ahead of time, you can read Daniel Hyde's story in the book 24 Years and 40 Days. You're listening to KVXL LP 101.1 FM here in Las Vegas. Thanks to those of you tuned in on the 405media.com. It's great to have you as well. If you would like to be part of the show, you can call us at 702-647-4522 or email us. Radio at experienceliberty.com is how you would do that. If you want to tweet me, I'm on Twitter at The Frittle is where you can find me. You can also find me on Facebook at The Frittle, uh, but I'm not on Facebook all that often. So really the better place to catch up with me is on Twitter. So an interesting little tidbit over the weekend, Washington decided to give... I believe 32 of its 34 delegates to Ted Cruz, which is kind of interesting. That's all I'm going to say about that, but you can go ahead and speculate about whatever you want. Those who like Trump are all like, see, see, Ted Cruz is coming back. He won't just let Trump win. No, he's, he's, he's probably, he's not, you guys, just, just calm down. It's all right. Breathe. But not like Darth Vader. Okay, just take a deep breath. It's okay. It's all right. Trump is still going to hit the number before the convention. It doesn't even really matter. So don't no need to panic. It's okay if you like Trump. If you don't like Trump, well, it, this may be a symbolic gesture that excites you, but remember that it is simply a symbolic gesture. So the story we talked about last week. Oh, by the way. My friend Steven Crowder, comedian, news curator, extraordinaire, is going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour. You don't want to miss that. He cracks me up. And he's a great guy, too. So stay tuned for that. But anyway, here's a story we talked about last week, which is the whole transgender bathroom edict from the current administration. Which Did I mention last week that Oklahoma, the Oklahoma legislature is calling on their congressional delegation to impeach the president over his violation and overreach of what they believe to be his constitutional rights and they're they're correct we'll see if anything actually comes of that but oklahoma is saying yo our congress people impeach this guy he's not going to tell us what to do in our schools with our kids he doesn't have the constitutional authority to do so in fact i checked the constitution over the weekend and nowhere in it could i find anything at all related to the president having power over who may or may not use specific bathroom stalls. I know, shocking that our founders didn't consider this as a potential issue in the future of their country, but just so everyone knows, I checked the Constitution, it's not there. The president doesn't get to say who may or may not use which facilities. And, by the way, since it doesn't give that power to the president, that power is reserved to the states or the people. So Oklahoma's legislature is 100% correct in what they're saying. No reason the president should be involved. Zero, zero reason. But anyhow, the, uh, the American College of Pediatricians issued a statement on gender ideology, which is very interesting. This isn't from a, a pastor's perspective or even a biblical perspective. This isn't like a group of people that's trying to push their religious agenda on anyone. This is from a purely secular pediatric perspective. 
But you probably haven't heard this recently on the news. And this was posted in March of this year. Updated in April. And a full statement is coming in the summer of 2016. This is from, again, the American College of Pediatricians. The American College of Pediatricians urges educators and legislatures to reject all policies that condition children to accept as normal a life of chemical and surgical impersonation of the opposite sex. Facts, not ideology, determine reality. Wow. And then they go through and they list eight things. I'm going to read just some of them for you. One, human sexuality is an objective biological binary trait. XY and XX, those would be your your genes, are genetic markers of health, not genetic markers of a disorder. The norm for human design is to be conceived either male or female. Human sexuality is binary by design with the obvious purpose being the reproduction and flourishing of our species. This principle is self-evident. The exceedingly rare disorders of sex development, including various various things, are rightly recognized as disorders of human design, but these individuals do not constitute a third sex. Hmm. A person's belief that he or she is something they are not, again, this is from the American College of Pediatricians. A person's belief that he or she is something they are not is, at best, a sign of confused thinking. When an otherwise healthy biological boy believes he is a girl, or an otherwise healthy biological girl believes she is a boy, an objective psychological problem exists that lies in the mind, not the body, and it should be treated as such. (coughs) These children suffer from gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria, formerly listed as gender identity disorder, is a recognized mental disorder in the most recent edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of the American Psychiatric Association. The psychodynamic and social learning theories of of, uh, gender dysphoria and gender identity disorder have never been disproved. Puberty is not a disease and puberty blocking hormones can be dangerous. Reversible or not, <coughs> excuse me, puberty blocking hormones induce a state of disease, the absence of purity. I mean, pu- puberty, sorry, and inhibit growth and fertility in a previously biologically healthy child. According to studies from the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of the American Psychiatric Association, as many as 98% of gender-confused boys and 88% of gender-confused girls eventually accept their biological sex naturally after passing through puberty. Children who use puberty blockers to impersonate the opposite sex will require cross-sex hormones in late adolescence. Cross-sex hormones are associated with dangerous health risks, including, but not limited to, high blood pressure, blood clots, stroke, and cancer. Number seven. Sorry, I've lost track of the numbers. Rates of suicide are 20 times greater among adults who use cross-sex hormones and undergo sex reassignment surgery, even in Sweden, which is among the most LGBTQI-affirming countries. What compassionate... And reasonable person would condemn children to this fate, knowing that after puberty, as many as 88% of girls and 98% of boys will fully accept reality and achieve a normal state of mental and physical health, and the opposite increases the potential suicide rate of that child by 20 times. Number eight. Conditioning children, this is their conclusion, of the American College of Pediatricians. This is their conclusion. Conditioning children into believing that a lifetime of chemical and surgical impersonation of the opposite set is normal and healthful is child abuse. Period. Endorsing gender discordance as normal via public education and legal policies will confuse children and parents, leading more children to present to gender clinics, quote, where they will be given puberty-blocking drugs. This, in turn, virtually ensures that they will choose a lifetime of, other, of toxic 
toxic cross-sex hormones and likely consider unnecessary surgical mutilization of their body parts and increase their rate of suicide by 20 times. So while the president is standing at the White House saying, you know what, I don't care about your kids, but I'm going to pretend that I care more about them than anyone else by saying whatever bathroom they feel led to use today, they may use. Because gender's not a real thing. No, it... Yes, it is. And the American College of Pediatricians, like the scientific people that most of the time the left wants us to adhere to everything they say, has said without qualification that conditioning children into believing that a lifetime of chemical and surgical impersonation of the opposite sex is normal and healthful is child abuse. I don't see how you can read that and compare it to the president's statement and not equate that the president is essentially saying that he is completely okay with and expects every school district in America to engage in child abuse. Because that is effectively what is happening if you open every restroom to every child regardless of the sex that they were born with. Conditioning children to accept boys in girls' bathroom because they feel like girls or they're taking hormones to make them feel like a girl is not simply morally wrong. It is morally wrong. But the fact, again, the American College of Pediatricians is saying that it is child abuse. That is powerful stuff. Why is no one talking about this aspect of the conversation When did child abuse become acceptable to the point that the President of the United States would decree its implementation from the White House? And he is a progressive, so he probably thinks that in some way this helps move our country forward and make us more like Europe. No, we don't want to be like Europe. The Battle of the Revolution was fought for a reason. We were like, "Uh uh-uh, we don't want to do things the way you guys do them. We're going to do them right. And to be fair, I don't think that the president sees this as child abuse. But why is that? Because of his worldview. Because of his philosophy. It's not a biblical one. And we have to change people's hearts before we change their minds or behavior. But right now, that's not happening with the president. On a related note, this is from Louder with Crowder, which is our friend Stephen Crowder's website. He's going to be on the show here in just a few minutes. But... uh, Here are your tax dollars. The White House plans to announce first national gay monument. Ever wonder what the Obama administration is up to these days? Building gay monuments. Obama lackeys are planning a national park to celebrate a culture that celebrates itself by parading the streets in rainbows. Meanwhile, thousands continue to die at the hands of JVT Mises priorities. The Obama administration is preparing to announce the nation's first monument to gay liberation, Stonewall National Park, which will be located in New York City. The historic designation will encompass the Stonewall Inn Bar, Christopher Park, a sliver of green space across the street from the bar, and parts of the surrounding neighborhood. The National Park Service will designate the area as historic in time for the city's pride celebration, which which commemorates June 28, 1969, the day corrupt cops raided Stonewall Inn only to be surprised by an intense rebellion by bar patrons and locals fed up with police harassment. So, your actual tax dollars are going to be spent turning a bar and a, quote, green sliver of space (laughs) into a national park. The president made it clear that he's committed to ensuring our national parks help Americans better understand the places and stories that make this nation great. Forgive my ignorance, but I don't think a story about a bunch of drunk homosexuals holed up in a bar shooting at cops is very moving. It doesn't exactly scream American nationalism. Is it worthy of a national monument? Eh, maybe a blip in a 1,000-page history book. At most. So that's uh, 
that's from Stephen Crowder, and then it goes on, but I'm going to leave it there. And instead, ask you this. Does anyone else have a monument quite like this? I mean, monuments are for national heroes, right? They're for, like, fallen soldiers, for the founders of our country. Just throwing it out there, but I'm pretty sure that straight Americans don't have a monument. And they shouldn't, because that's silly. And this is silly. But your tax dollars are paying for this silliness. Also, you know, maybe I'm just not well-educated enough, but can someone fill me in on what exactly the gay community as a whole has accomplished, again, as a group for our country? I mean, it's an actual question. I'm not trying to be a jerk. What has the gay community itself done, from our na- done for our nation? Practically speaking. Now, I'm not talking about any of this love wins nonsense. I mean a real, practical, physical accomplishment. George Washington was president. Soldiers give their lives. Benjamin Franklin invented the light bulb. Betsy Ross has a historical home. She made our flag. But what has the gay community done to impact our nation in a sense that they now deserve a taxpayer-funded national memorial? Let alone a taxpayer-funded national memorial at a gay bar where a group of gay individuals once had an altercation with police. I mean, how is that history deserving of a national taxpayer-funded monument? And I can see how you could call it history, but monument-worthy history? That I don't get. Franklin Graham had this to say about it on his Facebook page, which he's very, I recommend following Franklin Graham if you're a Christian and you like getting a, a biblical perspective on culture. It's a great one to follow. He said, quote, A monument to sin? That is unbelievable. War heroes deserve a monument. Our nation's founding fathers deserve a monument. People who have helped to make America strong deserve a monument. But a monument to sin? The Washington Post reports that President Obama is poised to declare the first ever national monument in New York recognizing, quote, the struggle for gay rights, unquote. It's no surprise that the three officials who represent the area and support the monument are all openly gay. I can't believe how far our country has digressed. I hope that the president will reconsider. Flaunting sin is a dangerous move. God's word tells us righteousness exalts the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. It's Proverbs fourteen thirty four. Literally couldn't say it any better myself. And as long as we're on this topic, let's just keep going with it. This is from BuzzFeed. Headline reads, This teenager can't get a bank account because they don't identify as male or female. Keith Farnish and his 17-year-old non-binary child, Kaylin, told BuzzFeed News what it's like when you can't open a bank account or apply to university without ticking the male or female box. That isn't equality. I'm sorry, you don't identify as male or female. Is is there another option that we don't know about? Like, I'm, I, I'm trying to think of a point at any time in all of history... Where the midwife or the doctor was like, it's not a boy or a girl. I don't, I don't know what this is. I don't know what, what has come forth. No, this is ridiculous. And there's this whole article about how this child in the UK can't open a bank account because they refuse to check either the male or female box because either one of those would be discriminatory because this child, which I believe was born female... Uh, refuses to be recognized as male or female. When you're filling something in and you don't identify as male or female and you only see those two boxes, then you don't see yourself there, said Farnish. You are absent. That must hurt, and that's what makes me angry. There's no reason for it. It doesn't need to be like this. The other problem this individual is having is applying for college. If you don't identify as male or female... Well, you have to pick one of the boxes. You know, because the other kid's mom and dad may not want you that was born a male but doesn't identify as male or female living in the same dorm room as their pure daughter who identifies very much as a female. 
because that's what she is. But so these people are filing a formal complaint in the UK and are attempting to make a big deal out of this. Which is just absurd and ridiculous. And in case you're wondering, yes, it's just going to get more and more and more ridiculous as time goes by unless someone stands up to the political correctness and nonsense that is happening in our world today. And I've said this before, but that that is the reason, in my personal opinion, why, why Donald Trump is the presumptive GOP nominee. Because even though he changes his mind all the time and you never know what he's going to say or do from one day to the next, he, does, he doesn't care what anybody thinks. He doesn't. If he thinks it's nonsense, he says it's nonsense, period, the end, and then he moves on. And he doesn't care if you think it was not politically correct of him to say that. He's just going to say it anyway. And the world needs more people that aren't afraid to speak the truth. Although perhaps we need a little more speaking of the truth in love and with um, conviction and a lifestyle that backs up what you're saying. Just, you know, my take on that one. <sighs> All right, let's change uh, let's change topics. Let's talk about something more uh more delicious. Taco Bell. And we, maybe delicious is not the correct word. We we could have a whole debate about that. But they are revamping their restaurants. I wish I could show you the pictures, but this is radio, so I can't. But Taco Bell is remaking its restaurants super, super duper trendy. It's ultra sleek, ultra modern. modern. This is from fox47news.com. The fast food chain wants to swap out all things neon, fluorescent, and cartoonish for LED lighting, energy efficient heating and cooling, and reclaimed wood. Four new designs will take over existing restaurants in Orange County, California this summer with a broader revamp planned this year. Taco Bell's vice president of development and design told USA Today the changes were made with dinner in mind. Most of its customers reportedly opt for the drive through and the company hopes to compete with more modern, fast, casual restaurants like Chipotle for sit-down sales. Taco Bell hasn't been afraid to take on competitors over a meal, but the results have been mixed. In 2014, the company added a breakfast menu to chip away at McDonald's dominance in the morning. But a year later, breakfast still only accounted for 6% of Taco Bell sales. And it goes on and on, talks about how they made this $1 morning value menu, and that's made them successful in the mornings, and etc., and etc., and etc. But this is really cool. Google it and look at the pictures of what they're doing to Taco Bell. It looks really epic. Like, way better than any other fast food place out there. It doesn't even look like a fast food place. It looks like a legit go-in, sit-down restaurant. But, I I don't know. Does going in and sitting down actually make people buy more food? I guess maybe it does. Because if you're sitting there and you want more, you're right there. Whereas if you go through the drive-thru, you drive through and you're done and you drive away and you're not getting any more. We'll see if it, if it helps Taco Bell, but... Uh, they're also doing, I don't know, where'd that article go? I don't know where it went. But Taco Bell is now making a fried chicken shell chalupa. So it's replacing the normal taco shell with fried chicken. Instead of, instead of a tortilla or whatever, gordita, chalupa, whatever kind of shell, you can now get a fried chicken shell. With taco inside, except instead of any meat inside, the, the chicken shell is your actual meat. It's fried chicken taco. Which is interesting. I think I may actually try one of those, just because it sounds so bizarre, but strangely wonderful at the same time. I was going to get a quesalupa the other day at Taco Bell, and they're apparently gone. Like, when they said it was a limited time, this one was legit a limited time. <laughs> They're like, you liked it so much, we're sold out. And so I asked the lady at the window. She's like, yeah, I guess they I guess they meant it this time. We don't have any more, and they're not sending us more. And I was like, oh, sadness. Today's programming is brought to you by Krispy Kreme Donuts Fundraising Opportunities. Krispy Kreme fundraisers are available year-round. They can take place over one to two days or one to two weeks. If your educational, religious community, or charitable cause is looking for a fun way to meet your financial goals, 
Krispy Kreme can help. Krispy Kreme provides free fundraising materials for your use. You can visit KrispyKreme.com slash fundraising or your local Krispy Kreme to learn more. Our thanks to Krispy Kreme for their support of KVXL programming. We're going to play a thousand years from the piano, guys. Get Steven Crowder on the line and we'll be back in just a minute. And welcome back. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM here in Las Vegas. We are honored today to have my good friend Stephen Crowder with us. Hello, Mr. Crowder. How are you? I'm, I'm doing fine. I wouldn't use the word honored, though. Let's not set expectations unreasonably high. Uh, okay, so we won't be honored. We'll be, um, we'll be... Slightly disappointed. Slightly disappointed to have Crowder here. That's that's better. You no, know, it's funny. I don't know, my, one of my coworkers the other day was like, "So, with this Stephen Crowder guy, do you actually know him, or is he just like one of those people that you know online?" And I was like, "Hmm, that's an interesting way that you put this because yes. <laughs> we've never met. In, right? Well, we met once. Did we meet once a long time ago? No, we've never met. No." But uh, for those listening who don't know, Crystal was the one who single-handedly helped me keep uh, the website afloat while we were growing and, and developing. And uh, yeah, I'm surprised you didn't ask me to, to come on this program earlier. I think it's probably because I was a liability. But uh, yes, Crystal not only <laughs> knows uh, me, but she helped. Uh, she she uh, she saved my behind quite a few times. So. Oh yeah, that's what I was like. No, Stephen's a great guy. No, I've never met him, but yes, we are actually friends, and more so than most of my other online-only friends. <laughs> Funny, that's what people ask me about anyone who I claim is a friend of mine. They say, really, do you have friends? I, I find this hard to believe. Yeah. No, but, and, and honestly, it's a fair question in today's culture because people will just be like, oh, yeah, I know you know, I know, I um, Robert Downey Jr. He tweeted me one time. Okay, True. no, you don't actually know him. True. That's so. a valid point, but... All right, hit me with the uh, with whatever it is you want, so you can uh, impress your friends. All right, with, uh, yes. Very clearly, low thresholds of, of, of what requires uh, <laughs> what what equates to being impressed. But I'll, I'll do my best. All right, so this is from uh, the resurgent, our friend uh, Eric Erickson. Depending on what part of the political spectrum you fall, you may actually hate him right now. But he wrote a great article about. He bothers uh, me, right? I like Eric Erickson, but he bothers me because he's you know this whole Facebook thing. He said you know uh, conservatives shouldn't be out there trying to shake down Facebook. And you know, we've always been, uh, yeah. we've worked with Facebook really closely and they haven't really treated us fairly. And we've, you know, we've just sort of taken them on the chin and kept going. But, you know, my issue, and he didn't address it, I'm the only person with Facebook who filed an actual legal motion. Yeah. He cut through all the drama, he cut through all these people claiming stuff. And the legal motion wasn't about censorship. That's not the right word. It, it, it has been going on for a while over a billing dispute that they charged me, claimed they didn't charge me. They deposited a physical check in 2016 that we sent, still basically put the account into delinquency or not responding to me or any lawyers. And then publicly, this, this, these guidelines are released to the public, and my name is right there next to, you know, Drudge Report, Breitbart, Ted Cruz for President, and Stephen Crowder. One of these things is not like the other to specifically remove from trending topics. So I filed a legal petition for information. And I know that you don't you don't do this, and this is what you know why we're friends. You have a lot of integrity. I'm not saying that other people who've made a mistake don't have integrity, but you have people who go out and say Stephen Crowder suing Facebook over censorship. That's not what's happened. Right. I've been clear about it. And sometimes you have people like like Mr. Erickson or or people out there who who simply read a headline that doesn't come from the source, and it's just inaccurate. And that's a big problem with media nowadays. People don't really even do just a double check on the source information. So sure. anytime I have to clear that up. I do, but um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a filing for a petition for information. It's the only legal process we have available to us to, to basically fix this problem, which hasn't been fixed. Um, and more importantly, uh, yeah, we want to get to the bottom of it. If Facebook continues to swear up and down that they do not curate content selectively, which I'm defending the right to do, but when they say that they don't, they're, they're lying. So we got something for them if they want to play that game. Anyway, sorry to go off on a tangent. Right, no, no, that's, that's, that's okay, because that's okay, I was actually going to ask you about that later on, and we might as well just start there. And I think you hit on something very important. Well, many very important things, because everything you say is very important. You're, you're like Mr. Trump in that way. But um, the fact that, one, people are just assuming that the reason you're, you have this lawsuit with Facebook is because of the content, and two you don't actually negate Facebook's right to curate their content, which no, I think I most people I are like, oh, it's so unfair, Facebook can't do that. No, they can do that. They absolutely can. The problem there is they're swearing that they don't, 
which is dishonest to not only their user base, and a, a social media is only as, as valuable as their user base, but it's, just, it's dishonest to their, their clients who pay for advertising, sure. and one could argue dishonest to their shareholders if they say something that isn't true. And that's not what this legal, it's not a lawsuit, this legal petition is even about. It's about a billing dispute, but here's the thing. It's a billing dispute that could have been remedied many, many months ago at several different steps. They have taken, we run small ads, you know, it's a, we, run, we, we run this yeah. out of my house for a long time, and it's grown, and you were a huge part of it. So we've always run some ads to compete with the big boys on Facebook because we need to be uh, at the forefront in social media, right? We don't have the budget of tens of millions of dollars of a place like, like Breitbart or, or Red State or these places, you know, with these mammoth staff. So it's been important to us. And we've used it effectively, and we've had high-quality writers like yourself. And, and uh, when you left to run the station, we were very blessed to find Courtney. We just keep content relatively low, uh, uh, sorry, volume low and quality high. So social mm-hmm. media is important, and we're more in tune with it than other people. Now, this legal motion is over a billing issue where at a certain point, the reason we need the information is because we're going to listen. The issue still hasn't been resolved. You haven't responded to me. You haven't responded to a lawyer. And you've taken my money and you're threatening to put something in delinquency when you're claiming that you didn't. And that, in tandem with some other evidence that we have behind the scenes that would corroborate what we heard very publicly at Gizmodo and Daily Mail about them specifically targeting me, warrants, hey, listen, you still haven't resolved this billing issue. Why have you been knocking a team of kids around who've done well for themselves for so long on an issue that could have been revenue? Not a single answered phone call, not an answered email to me, or a team of lawyers for a long time. At some point you say, you're the biggest tech company in the world, I don't believe you're incompetent, is there collusion? And we had to file a petition for information. We're trying to find out why the issue hasn't been resolved. And that's what's so different between this and people complaining that their verification badge is off Twitter or that someone didn't like their... Facebook can do that, they're dishonest about that, and if they, if they want to go tit for tat and proving that, we can. But... Unlike anyone else out there, we have a tangible financial trail in which you line up Satan himself across from me as their lawyer. It's a slam dunk. It's not even an issue. We just need to get it before the proper, um, you know, the proper legal avenue so that the situation is remedied. And that's my problem with people like Erickson or, or people else out there who go off half-cocked without getting the full story, and they lump me in with some kid who's trying to get publicity by you know, having something removed from Facebook because it was copyrighted. This is not an example of that. Wait, 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 wait. that well enough that we've been very, very strict on that. So you're not just some kid trying to get your name out there? Oh, I, <laughs> no, I didn't know this. Kids, but not, not, uh, that's not what this is. <laughs> no, but in all fairness, I don't remember when uh, when we started it. If it was two years ago or three years ago. But you have literally had problems with Facebook since day one that I was working with you. So, yeah, it's not even... It's, it's, it's just bizarre, everything that's happening in the world today. But, you know, this is par for course. Anyway, so back to, uh, back to Erickson's actual uh, article. Yeah. He writes about Pope Francis says um, stupid things. We'll just phrase it that way. Episode 2315. And again, to all of our Catholic friends out there, we love you. But your Pope can be very wrong sometimes, and this is one of them. So he's got this interview, and uh, he's asked about if the migrants and if this is based on a fear of Islam and if this fear of Islam and ISIS is justified. And he says, he, he goes on for uh, like four paragraphs. I'm just going to take out two sentences and people are like, well, that's not context. Well, yes, it is. Just if you right. want to read all of it, go ahead. But this is actually what he's saying. The Pope said, quote, it is true that the idea of conquest is inherent in the soul of Islam. However, it is also possible to interpret the objective in Matthew's gospel, where Jesus sends his disciples to all nations in terms of the same idea of conquest. And then he goes on and on about that. And then he says, in Central Africa, before the war, Christians and Muslims used to live together and must learn to do so again. Lebanon also shows that this is possible. Okay, so I don't even know where to begin with this, but let's start with the fact of conquest and Islam being the same as Jesus sending his disciples into all nations. Okay, go. Right, yeah, well, first, I mean, there, there's, there is some truth in there. Um, <clears throat> but if you look historically, and you look at the, uh, my name is Stephen, right, the very first martyr, uh, Stephen, people were killed when Christianity was being spread. Mm-hmm. There was known systemic oppression. If you were a Christian, you were killed, right? It was a problem. Sure. Uh, it was seen not only as a religious movement, but in, in its time, a political movement, right? Because a lot of people don't understand the political class were the religious zealots, Pharisees and Sadducees. They were effectively one and the same. They were all intermingled. So even with this, if you 
profess and you spread Christianity, you were killed. Christianity, particularly in its early inception, has been overwhelmingly spread through word of mouth and missionary work. Islam, at a point where no one really knew what it was with Muhammad, was effectively a guy uh, living with a sugar mama. Um, by the way, people who want to know about Islam, the very first time Muhammad went out and spoke to this, uh, who, he thought was, who he thought was an angel, he thought it was Satan, he thought it was a demon, and his, his woman said, no, 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 I'm sure that was an angel, and he thought he was suffocating. No one in the Bible does it describe encounters with angels as deathly fear. So again, back to the historical context. Christianity spread through word of mouth, spread through missionary work. Islam, even though you weren't killed, there was no real known oppression at its inception, has always been spread through violence and the sword. And that continues today. Can you find examples of Christianity that people try, you know, they reach all the way back to the Inquisition, which is much more political than religious, by the way. Most people who were killed were Christians. People don't talk about that. Uh, yeah, you can always find examples. But if you look at the trend, you look at the history, Christianity has been overwhelmingly spread through word of mouth, through missionary work, and Islam has almost invariably been spread through war and the sword. So even though I would disagree with the Pope's interpretation there, I think he's wrong. I know that's sacrilegious to some people. Historically, th th there's no doubt. There can be no case made that they've had the same kind of result, even for atheists. But it's, just not, it's just not something that can, in argument, that's tenable. Yeah, and the historical trend of, of, of violence versus missionary work, if you will, is obviously, for those of us that actually read history, based on the teachings of these religion's founders. And we could say, well, we're Christians, so we believe Jesus is God, and therefore God's way is the right way, and that's the only reason why we think this. But if you actually look at what they said and what they did and how they lived and what they taught, Jesus and Muhammad are actually very different people. Yes. Well, you know what? Pretty much, well, Jesus is different from all leaders. Uh, true, religious true. Religious figures or leaders because people will say, well, it was taken from the Egyptian religion. No, no. He's the only one who claims to be God in the flesh who died and rose again. No one else. Muhammad right. didn't claim to be God in the flesh. Nobody at Joseph Smith didn't claim to be No one else claimed it. So uh, that's one area where we single him out, okay? But let's single Muhammad out. Listen, I'm not a Mormon, and I get people that come up on their bicycles and their clip-on ties, but you know what? <laughs> at, at best, it's a good conversation that we have right. theologically. At worst, it's a mild annoyance. Mm -hmm. I know there's no machete in their fanny pack to come out of their Schwinn bicycle. Uh, <laughs> same thing with... with with Scientologists or Jehovah's Witnesses door to door. I don't agree with them, right. um, but I'm not threatened by them. What is, Islam is uniquely different in that its founder, the founder of the feast, Muhammad himself, was a serial killing uh, pedophile terrorist. That's the reality, whose last words were calling for the death of Christians and Jews. It's not the same. Even if you're an atheist, if your neighbor was Jesus, or if you had a whole block full of people like Jesus, you might think they're oddly friendly and it makes you uncomfortable. But that's about the biggest problem you have. If all your neighbors are Muhammad, you're dead. That's the dark reality. You're, no, you're exactly right. So, okay, so we have this migrant issue, and the Pope is, is, well, he has his opinion on it. Right. How do we deal with the migrant issue? I mean, is the answer we just go to their countries and help them fix their own problems? Or, you know, by the way, should these adult males be staying in their own countries trying to fix their own problems instead of migrating and bringing their their religion which they are then going to force upon whatever nation they arrive in upon them right. or like what what is the good solution if we're going to say the pope is wrong what is what is a good alternative well and this is where i know you know this is you're you the christian station but sometimes and this is the thing unlike islam which is a prescribed political ideology sometimes as a christian you have to take your christian hat off and put your america hat on because the fact is the Bible doesn't necessarily uh, clearly, expressly outline how you should handle borders or issues of war. It doesn't forbid them. The Bible, actually, Jesus specifically allowed for systems of law outside of the spiritual law of God. And that's a big, that's a big foundation for our system of law to begin with, you know, a certain inalienable right. But at this point, you've got to take your, your Christian hat off, which obviously we want to help people, and, and that feels nice, and you've got to put your America hat on. What's right? According to the Constitution and for the United States of America. Well, the good thing is we have plenty of examples with Europe and what happened. And I don't think we get involved unless it, it, it has some direct impact on our national security at this point. And if it does, you kill them. You eliminate them. If the country's a quagmire, I'm sorry. I'm tired of going in and trying to fix it. You, you can't bring democracy to people who don't want it. And I know we want to, and it's great that the United States has gone in and tried to and hasn't taken their oil and has asked for nothing more than the land in which to bury the dead who tried to provide them with that right. But if they don't want it, you, know, you get rid of the Taliban and you have ISIS 
and now these immigrants are coming from ISIS? No, sorry. This is their sector of the world. It's never progressed. It's always been a cesspool of filth and sadness where dreams go to die. And I don't think that the United States should be involved with bringing these migrants in and putting our citizens' national security at risk uh, in the name of, of feeling good. I mean, listen, I ask these Christians this. If, if, if a handful of men, of military-aged, strange men, I mean a handful, because we're talking about a huge number of people, if they can't, if Christians, a lot of Christians, they go left on this. They don't really have to help them. If a handful of men, let's say half a dozen men, showed up at your door right now and said, we need your shelter, and you have kids and you have daughters, do you let them in? If you do... Sorry, I think you're an irresponsible head of household, even if you're trying to be a nice Christian. I don't think it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. No, I agree with you 100%, except that I don't think that it's necessarily contradictory. I don't think you have to take your Christian hat off to put your America hat on. And I know that's not what you're saying, per se. But, you know, especially if you look at the Old Testament, God didn't be like, okay, Israelites, go in there, intermingle with them. They're cool, nice people. Yeah, have fun. No, it was, okay, kill them all. All right, move no, on. I, I know, I know you're, you're right, and, and I would never vote uh, against um, my faith. Now, that being said, I hate drugs, but it's not a vote against my faith. Sure. If Colorado has a state right to sure. legalize pot. We've seen what they've done. It's bad for them, right? And I would never touch the drugs, and I would make sure it stays out of my family. But again, as a Christian, um, Jesus was alive during a time where, where, where Caesar and where, where the system of law certainly had some uh, some very anti-God currents that ran through it, and he understood that God does give authority to people, sometimes who aren't godly people outside right. of it. So my only point there is, unlike Islam, which is entirely political and has a system of law, uh, Christianity allows for politics and for rules of law outside of those expressly outlined yes. in the Bible. And with the United States, when it comes to national security, when it comes to personal freedoms, not all of those answers, as it relates to the United States, are found in the Bible. It doesn't mean that they can't be, they can't be congruent with the Bible, but specifically when it comes to national security. You know, I find myself having more in common with a lot of young atheists, and I just, I just wrote about this, because a lot of young Christians have been co-opted by the social justice Bernie movement. Well, and that's the thing, though, isn't that, that's where it's at, is that I think a lot of young Christians in particular have this, this opinion that being a Christian means I embrace everyone and welcome all things, and I love all the people all the time, no matter what. But that's not... Right. No, that's not it. That's not what it's about. No, it's not what it's about, but even, exactly, and that is a problem, we can get into that, but even some older Christians who would consider themselves conservative, a lot of them feel as Christians, well, it's our duty to help these Syrian migrants. It's not. It's not our duty as Americans to help them at this point, when we have no way of vetting them. It's it's not our duty, and it's not a Christian obligation, and it's not anti-Christian at all, and it's certainly pro-America to ensure the safety of our citizens. And, and sometimes it's like beating my head against the wall because it sounds a little bit uh, terse or cold, but um, that's the way it is. When it comes to young Christians, I say this a lot. You know, you kind of go back to sort of, uh, I guess, some of these Christian nonprofit organizations who stood arm-in-arm arm arm with Tipper Gore trying to ban TV shows they don't like. I never supported that either. But now you have a lot of young atheists who are realizing that the only people who are supporting freedom of speech, even offensive speech, are the religious right who they used to hate, and the problem, these are older Christian conservatives, whereas younger Christian conservatives, this Rob Bell, there is no hell, let's be welcome to everything generation, a lot of them are basing their political worldview on, well, we should be nice and we should share the wealth, Uh, and so they slap a Bernie bumper sticker on there who believes that a baby can be aborted up until the day it takes its first breath out of the womb. So I really do see a startling trend with young Christians and a lot of them are just not thinking as critically um, to a point where I see a lot of young atheists who have more in common with libertarians or even Christian conservatives of generations past than young Christians, because mm-hmm. they're able to say, hold on a second, freedom of speech is important, the Second Amendment is important, the Constitution is important, whereas a lot of Christians aged 26 and younger, above all of those is, well, I want to feel good about myself as a Christian at my youth group and have some good talking points, so I'm going to label myself a socialist, and, and it's a real problem. No, it, it is. I, I, we don't disagree, but we have good conversations, and that's one of the things I really like about you is that we can have good conversations. And if we weren't on the air, we would probably continue that. But we've been very serious, you know, and some people think that you're a comedian. So okay. we're going to have to, you know, try and be a little bit fun before I let you go. Okay. So if you would, I would like for you to answer the next few questions using your best Donald Trump impersonation. Are you ready? Okay. Um. Well, I have a sinus infection, so it may be a little off. <laughs> I'm on the first 
This is my first time taking antibiotics as an adult because I've only had like four hours of sleep for three months. But I tell you what, I'll I'll give it the old college try. Okay. Not not a liberal college try, all right? Okay. No, no, I won't. Not a liberal arts, not a Burleson College <laughs> under Gene Sanders uh, going bankrupt try. I'm gonna do a I'm gonna do a real real college try. Call it a Hillsdale try. Awesome. All right, now, this is our Hillsdale try. Okay, so are you going to build a wall? Okay, listen. I always talk about the wall. All right, frankly, listen. I built so many walls. Okay, the best walls. People say, hey, how, you build so many walls. Why don't we bring a guy in who builds walls? And I said I was gonna build a wall. And listen, I still think, okay, I will stand with you right now 100% and stand by my word, okay? And I tell you frankly, I still maybe perhaps will build a wall. I'm not sure, but I give you my word that maybe I will perhaps, depending on the latest polls. Okay, all right, fantastic. So I, I have been wondering, how many Bibles do you actually own? You know, listen, this is, this is what's not fair. Where you come from, the, the school of Edgar County? Look at this. It's just about how many Bibles. Okay, listen, okay? <laughs> Listen, I don't want you to go complaining, blood coming out of your nose and your eyes or whatever, okay? Okay, uh, what's your name? Chris? I don't even remember your name. Was it Christian? Was it Chris? I don't know. I don't even know. Listen, I have so many Bibles, okay? I've read so what they call me the Bible reading machine. I would never call myself that. That's what they call me, okay? And I put them in a very special place. I put them in a special place. I laminate them. I have so many Bibles. I, I don't know how many times I've read the Bible. I, 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 I almost went to seminary. I went in there and said... Frankly, you should be teaching us. You've read so many Bibles. I don't even think we have enough Bibles here to teach you. So that's what. That's instead of that, I went into the business. Mm. You did go into business, and and you've been successful in business. How successful would you say you've been in business? Well, you know, it's a fair question, uh, and and obviously, uh, I'm, I'm, listen. When it comes to humility, okay, nobody is more humble than me. Okay, I've, I, I, people always talk about they come and say you're so humble. You've done all these things. You're so great. You've built these buildings. You're worth all this money, okay? But you're still so humble. So I take a lot of pride in the fact that I'm humble. Uh, when it comes to business, truthfully, I am the best that's ever been in the history of business. And that includes, you go back to the day of the Roman Empire, you go back to the West Indies trading companies, okay, who fifth the population Earth. If it were Donald, okay, if I were there at that time, it would have been, okay, truthfully, at least a fourth of population. At fifth, they, they, they were horrible. The consultants, they didn't know what they were doing. Mm. I am so good at business. I, all I do is win. And when the United States puts me in, we're going to start winning as a country like I win at business. And we're going to be humble about it, just like I'm humble about the business. Mm. And is one of the reasons that you're so humble is because of how many good people that you know? I know that's very true. I know so many good people. You know, when it comes to people saying, are you going to surround yourselves with smart people with uh with the presidency, you know, I surround myself only with geniuses. Uh, you know, we've got Sarah Palin there on the payroll. We've got uh, Corey Lewandowski. We have so many good, smart people, okay? You're going to – and I came up with my Supreme Court list. You know, the, the mm. judges said, right, and they said, we've never seen a list like this. I can't believe that you could create a list this good, frankly, and I promised that I was going to stick to the list. And I will tell you again, okay, I'll give you my word, okay? I, I make so many lists. Crystal, by the way. Mm. I'm the list-making machine. That's what they call me. I wouldn't call myself that. That's what they call me. I have, I said I will stick to this list that I released, okay? Mm-hmm. And it was so good that I might add to the list. I might make the list two or three times longer now and just take from the new people I added to the list just so I could keep my word because I'm going to stick to the list. Yeah, I actually, I had I did have a question about the list because, you know, I, I think a lot of people had assumed that this was your list for, for all potential nominees, but then uh, your campaign issued a statement that you will choose only one person for this list to fill only Scalia's seat. So, so um, how many more good people do you think we need to add to the list to fill this this one seat? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know yet. I haven't figured out. I haven't mm. studied it. But I told people here's the thing. I said it was a list. Okay. Sure. It's a master list. I can add to that list. I can take away from that list, and I'm still taking it from the list. I know you're going to hear this from the, the as I like to call them the lame stream media. Okay, I do a play on words there. I, I yeah. wrote that. I copyrighted that mm. instead of mainstream. I say lame stream. Mm. I want that to, uh, to, to reverberate to people. I'm very good. I'm very good at the jokes, Crystal. I, 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 when it comes to sense of humor, people, they say, you know, such a good sense. Why don't you show this one? I show my sense of humor all the time, okay? Mm. When it comes to this list, I'd like to see some more people out there, okay? Uh, we'll see. Frankly, I don't know. I've been talking with Justin Trudeau. I know he's a little busy right now over there in Canada. He's roughing up some, some broads in Parliament, but I think people are going to love the list. Everyone's going to love the list. And, you know, listen, of course they have to put up conservatives, okay, in a primary. But now we're past the primary, 
Yes. I'm going to be going after Bernie voters, okay, the Hillary voters. So, mm. of course, it's going to be a different list. Mm. Interesting. All right, so last question for you, Mr. Trump. You often say, believe me and trust me. Why do you encourage people so often to, to believe you? Well, what, what do you want me to say, don't believe me? Mm. Yeah, I can tell you never closed a real deal. Because if you tell someone, don't believe me, don't trust me, you're never going to close a deal, Crystal. Oh. oh. That... So I tell people that because sometimes they don't, sometimes people don't know to believe you, okay, unless you tell them. Oh. Just like sometimes people don't know if you're being frank or truthful, unless you say frankly or truthfully, especially when, you know, frankly, you weren't being frank or truthful before. You've got to delineate so people know when you're, when you're being truthful. That's why you've got to say truthfully, okay, or believe me, okay, mm. trust me. Because maybe they didn't before. You said something that maybe they shouldn't have been believing you. Now, it's not your job to tell them when they shouldn't be believing you, okay? But I, so, but I believe in reinforcing what people should believe you. Okay, so believe me, when I say these things, when I say believe me, I mean those things. And trust me, okay, truthfully, I'm going to keep my word on all these things. So you got to let people know about it. That's how you close the deal. You tell them, believe me, truthfully. And once they feel that way, you know, then you can, then you can do whatever you want. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Mr. Trump slash Steven Crowder. That was, um, that was so incredibly perfect. Uh, you are my favorite Trump impersonator. Well, I expect your lawsuit in the mail, okay, with, okay. with those libelous questions. All right, we're going we're gonna to crack down a libel when it comes to the media. Okay? People like you, you've been a free ride for too long, okay, Miss, Miss Heathbaugh, whatever your name is. Awesome. All right. Well, Mr. Uh, Mr. Trump slash Stephen, would you like to give out your web address? Uh, it's up to you whether you want to do that as, as Mr. Trump or, or as um, your alternative identity. Okay. Okay. Here you go. Yeah. All right. Hold on. Mr. Trump, give me the phone back. He was. Uh, oh, he had to go? Yeah. He was here for, um, for, for, for cocktails or something. I don't, I don't know why he just shows up. Mm. Um, yes. The website is louderwithcrowder.com. So www.louderwithcrowder.com or people can subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, uh, iTunes. It's all free, which is, again, why the Facebook thing is so important. We, we really try and make the content free and, and focus on changing hearts and minds and, and keep, keeping people laughing. So uh, all it takes to support it, if people out there want to, just bookmark the site or subscribe or sign up for the mailing list and, uh, you know, read or watch the free content. As simple I, as that. I'm really glad that you put the, the prefix of the www on there before Louder with Crowder because... Did I say that? You, you did. I, I don't know okay. if we would have known... Colon backslash backslash yes. www. Yeah, I don't know why Good. I did that. You should. Uh, Thank you. Uh, you. Yeah, you should make fun of me repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really appreciate it, Stephen. Thank you for everything that you do. Everyone, go check out louderwithcrowder.com. If you want to do fun Google searches, you might even be able to find things that I wrote once upon a time at the website. So, you know, just a fun, fun tip for those of you that have nothing better to do than Google my name and Louder with Crowder all day. You should just do that all day long, all day. Anyway, Stephen, thanks for being here. It was good to have you. You're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM in Las Vegas. We're going to go out today to Matt Mayer with Your Grace is Enough, and we will see you back here tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Have a great day, everyone.